0: Time for you to step off the addiction roller coaster for good and learn a solution that works. Join addiction experts, hosts of the popular podcast, The Addiction Solution, and authors of The Freedom Model for Addictions, Mark Sharon and Michelle Dunbar, to learn a solution that will provide you and your loved one freedom from the addiction battle for good. It's called Families Moving Past Addiction Masterclass, and it's a live online exclusive event where you'll hear information about addiction we guarantee you've never heard before, and that's great news. If you love someone struggling with an addiction, then this masterclass is for you. For more information or to enroll, click the link provided and register soon for the date that works for you, because each class will be limited to just 50 participants so we can best serve you. Hi all you wonderful podcast listeners. This is Michelle. Just reminding you that if you live here in the US, we're happy to ship you a free paperback copy of The Freedom Model for Addictions: Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap. All you have to do is go to freebook.freedommodel.org. Yes, that you just pay for shipping. If you live outside the US and you want a free PDF, you can email me at info@thefreedommodel.org@ at at We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation, and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hey everyone, welcome to The Addiction Solution. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. And we, well, along with our colleague Stephen Slate, co-authored The Freedom Model for Addictions and The Freedom Model for the Family.
1: That's right.
0: And uh, and it is actually, The Freedom Model is actually, uh, explains exactly how
1: people solve addiction. That's right. And they solve it for good. Yep. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to abstain. It might mean that you successfully adjust your use to some non-problematic level.
0: It means that you find freedom, that you no longer feel a slave to your substance or your behavior that you feel like is out of your control. It means you totally know you're in control.
1: That's right. And I just want, for those that are visually watching, I have my the one last Freedom Model Cup. All <laughs> the other ones have simply died. Or vanished.
0: Attrition. Or people yeah. took them. Yeah. Like when they were at the retreat, we had a bunch of them made.
1: This is this is an epic cup. It w- is. Worth millions of dollars. people have
0: asked us, they're like, are you guys ever going to do some like merch?
1: Some swag? Nope. I'm the only <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe at some point. I don't know. Coffee mugs is kind of cool.
0: Like coffee um, mugs are cool. All
1: right. Yeah. So, so let us know. Should we, should we make little?
0: So we make some merch?
1: Merch. <laughs> I uh, put sobri- it up on our coins.
0: <laughs> oh Psych. God, God no. <laughs> Holy cow. Do you remember that Bob had those bumper stickers?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I might have had a friend of Bill W or some bullshit like Bob that. Bob
0: had, I think it was live and let live in.
1: Easy does it. Easy does it. It's so silly. Oh, my
0: so God. Silly. Yeah, yeah. We spent some time in AA, just saying. Yeah. You know? So we know. We know both sides. Yeah. Okay?
1: Yeah. Regretfully. <laughs> Regretfully. All right. So, so today we're going to talk about um, choosing happiness, yes? Yeah. So this is a this is one of my favorite topics because I wrote um, and came up with the the concept. I didn't come up with the concept. This is an age-old concept. That happiness is what drives humanity, right? The pursuit the of happiness, positive drive principle, but, which is chapter seven in our book. But that term, I just termed it that, so that's my term, right? Positive yeah. drive principle. Yeah, he, so, he,
0: he made that up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I think it's one of my favorite topics because it's the truth. Yeah. So it is. people are are motivated by what they see benefits them. And we've talked about it endlessly throughout our podcast, but it can't be said enough because when you become aware that you're driven this way um, and that you're choosing things based on some sometimes hidden quiet benefit that's in the back of the decision, you suddenly realize maybe that's not the best decision. Maybe there's greater happiness over there or making this change in this decision. So here's my point. When you walk into a situation, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's me talking about this coffee cup or sitting in this chair or sitting the way I am, I'm doing all of that because in this moment, I believe this is the best place for me, the most beneficial place for me. And um, so the question becomes, if you become aware of your positive drive principle that you're in the pursuit of happiness all the time, I could be asking myself, do I really want to be here? Maybe there's something better I could do. Now, I don't believe there is. I believe being here with you folks is the best thing I could be doing right now. Um, but 10 minutes from now, I get to change my mind and and move my life forward. And it's a powerful thing when you know that.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. What the reason we we thought about this topic today is because um Mark did a video yesterday. On TikTok, that also ends up in our reels on Facebook and Instagram. And it was about, you know, watching people and wondering if you know, you know, as you watch people, if you ever sit in a parking lot at a grocery store and you see people coming in and out, a lot of people look pretty unhappy. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's because the grocery store I, you know, sometimes people really hate the grocery store. So, so, but somebody commented you know, Mark said, you know, I think most people are, are happy basically. And, uh, somebody commented and said, no, I think most people are unhappy like I am.
1: So, so that's an interesting perspective, right? Um, I think that if you were to poll people, I haven't looked at studies. I'm sure there's studies about this. I'll have to look it up, but I bet you if you polled people, they would assume that most people are unhappy. Maybe that's not the case. right? I I tend to be the optimist because I, uh, I used to be many years ago, a very negative person, very self-pitying person and a very depressed person. And hmm. there was value in staying that way. Let's talk about that for a second. We talked about this not that long ago in a podcast, but but even that was chosen as, as a form of insulative um, sort of happiness where I didn't have to change much. You know, so I would stay depressed and I would keep that that, self-pity, right? You
0: you invest in the self-pity, which we talked about, I think, in the last episode too.
1: Yeah. Um, so are there people that do that, of course? Are there people that see value in their sicknesses and their misery? Yes. I'll give you an example. I have I have chronic back pain and I've had it since I was uh fifteen years old when I got into a motorcycle accident. And I've had um basically two vertebrae that are are pretty beat up and screwed up and herniated discs all that fun stuff so i've had this this problem and my son asked me just two days ago he goes so you've had this pain for nearly 40 years and i said yeah and he goes does that bother you and i said honestly i don't even really think about it unless it becomes debilitating which it does like every couple years right for a spell of a week or two and but beyond that it's just something i live with and i'm i'm really totally okay with it so even even in a painful situation, you can frame it in a way that it becomes tolerable or even forgotten, or you move on from it. My point is when you become aware of your positive drive, you have options. Yeah, you know, you have options. You don't have to stay hanging on to the status quo. And that's that's where dreams die. I think that's where happiness dies is or or an upper level of happiness gets squelched is when you when you just keep the status quo and you say this is the best it's going to get well then it is
0: yeah yeah i mean i, I think too i want to i want to just make a point and that is i think whatever you focus on you see so if you're thinking of red cars you'll see a bunch of red cars if oh, you if you're point. thinking of you know, I'm unhappy, so I believe everybody else is unhappy. You'll see unhappy people everywhere, right? <laughs> That's a good point. So, so you know, a long time ago, I chose that I to make, you know, to f- see the positive in things. And it was something I had to consciously choose to do because i wasn't that way it didn't seem like i was that way naturally or or i didn't learn that as a child mm-hmm. you know to just to just see the positive I, you know everything was a fight all the time for me um so i saw fights everywhere right I and mean, i mark knows i learned that from my dad
1: yeah
0: <laughs> everything was a fight for me him too. and still is me too me too yeah you know so but i i decided at you know when i was young and i was starting my family that that I didn't want to live that way, uh, seeing fights up any, everywhere. So I consciously made the decision to see positive and became mindful of when I was seeing negative. So if I was around, which we were in AA at the time, so I was around a lot of really messed up people and uh, gossip and awful stuff. And I, you know, I would slide into that pretty easily, but I had to consciously um change it. I had to consciously try to shift conversations from talking shit about people mm-hmm. to to being positive like, well,
1: let's see if we can see the
0: positive in this. Which, you know, some people are like, "Ah, oh, it's toxic positivity." Toxic. Um, <laughs> so crazy. No. No. <laughs> there <laughs> it's 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 shitty to talk shit about mm-hmm. people and um and it makes you feel shitty when you talk shit about people and but like I said, if you see the negative If you focus on the negative, you will see it everywhere because it exists, but it exists no, and no more, um, no more than the positive exists. Like it's, it's pretty equal.
1: Wouldn't you say? I, I I would say, and I, I think that my wife said to, um, uh, she was talking to some family member. We just had a party for my in-laws fiftieth 50th 50th wedding anniversary. It's amazing. It was a great party. And she said, oh, she was talking to her brother and she said, you know, Mark is the only person I know that sees the glasses half full all the time. And she goes, it's so annoying. <laughs> it's toxic positivity, Mark. <laughs> um, and, and it does annoy her because I'll tell you why. And it annoys a lot of people. It
0: does it, annoy a lot of people uh, because it annoys my husband too. <laughs> yeah,
1: because I, I refuse to play into being negative. I just, I, I just refused. And here's why when I was a little kid, I, I had no control when you're a young little boy, you know, eight years old, five years old, you have no control over your sphere of influence. Your influence right. is tiny. You, and circumstances, yeah. they're just, they're just in your lap. And my circumstances sucked. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, I, it was just a horrible way to grow up. And so I had to make a decision. And ironically, I lived in utter and complete depressed misery and fear and sadness and anxiousness and depression up until about 19 and then from 19 to 24 is where I made this conversion of thought and action where I said, no, I have already lived the life where I've dedicated myself to misery and I know the results. And I don't have anybody out here that's just going to pick me up and fix me. Right. That reality hit me young and was scary. And it's scary for everybody that when innocence is lost, my innocence was lost very young. And, you know, suddenly you realize that there's a big bad world that does not give two shits about you. And so I I had to make a choice. Am I going to see the world as evil? That's right. Or am I going to create a world for myself that is positive? Because the only thing I can change is me. Yeah, I can't change my boss. I can't change the mind of others. I can't change how I grew up. I can't change my genetics. I can't change any of the things that I have. What I can change is my mind. That's it. That's the only thing. They, I mean,
0: you, you only have control over yourself and I, I saw this this video, um, I don't know if it where I think it was on Instagram reels or something, and it was about um it was a woman talking about being a Gen Xer and how we grew up, right? Because we're we're Gen X. And and you know, we grew up where our parents really they were they were living, they just lived their lives. Like for a lot of us, our parents weren't really involved in our lives all that much. And, and And
1: school wasn't, nobody was up your ass.
0: Nobody like, like they just expected you to, to get your work done. I played on, uh, you know, four varsity teams in high school. I, I played, I was a two sport collegiate athlete and I like, like your coaches weren't like coddling you there was there was none of this. oh, it's ninety degrees, so we can't practice today uh, like
1: yeah, that's so I ridiculous. Mean, so
0: so this this woman was saying, you know, we just kind of figured shit out as as we were told pick yourself up by your bootstraps and and the things that were said to us like nobody would say to kids today to to, you know, the millennials and Gen Z didn't really get that. Maybe early millennials got that a little bit, but, but really we were like the last generation where we were just
1: expected to figure shit out. So you were, so you were placed in an atmosphere or an environment where you had to choose your happiness.
0: Yes. Where nobody said, nobody told us that life should be happy. Nobody told us that life should be easy. (laughs) Like we got the opposite. It's like life's gonna like
1: kick your, ass. kick
0: your ass and like when I can remember being like 16 or 17 and one of my oh, I don't I have cousins that are much older than me and I can remember one of them saying what the hell do you have to be upset about like everything's handed to you like life hasn't even begun to fuck you yet <laughs> right I was like 16 and like suicidal and angsty and everything and they're like just suck it up you know and am I like so this woman didn't come to a conclusion in the video like, she's like, and then I'm watching, what she said was, now I'm watching the kids today, the Gen Zers, which are our kids, um, like, like just not really kind of figure out this life thing and really struggling and there's higher rates of depression and anxiety and suicide and everything else.
1: And, and I'm like, you just answered your question. Yeah. When you make valid leaving this earth, as a viable social construct and you, 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 normalize it. Well, yeah, you normalize that the way out is to give up. Um, you infantilize people. Yeah. I was just hanging out with one of my buddies. (laughs) We were talking about the fact of how we worked in the cornfields when we were kids and, and he got, you know, we had to do what's called detasseling corn, which is you're basically out in July and August picking the top of of the corn off the tassel off the top the pollen tassel and so it, you're covered in bugs b- biting you and you're sweating and you're out in 90 degree heat it's miserable it's just utterly miserable when it's pouring rain you're out there when you're in the back of a truck going from field to field like you know basically like migrant workers right yeah and i grew up doing this sort of stuff and we were talking about it and he goes dude dude we haven't seen each other in 30 years and he goes dude that was the shittiest thing ever <laughs> like it, that was fucking slave labor we made like 250 an hour yep. and he goes but you know what it was fucking magical yeah and you know what he he had a horribly difficult upbringing i had a horribly up, difficult upbringing and and both of us were like it was the saddest time of our lives but the most magical too Yeah, and because we had to find happiness on our own, and we would go out on our bicycles and ride thirty miles a night, and go and get in fights, and just it was a classic eighties movie. Life (laughs) was a classic eighties movie. Yeah, those
0: eighties movies are are somewhat realistic (laughs) of what we how we grew up. Which it it, was painful. It was
1: horribly painful, but also just amazing because nobody was telling us what to think. That's how fragile we were. No, none of that. The happiness was, Hey, if you're going to be happy, be happy, dude. It's up to you. Yeah. And you'd be like, really? And that was scary. And somebody posted on one of my social media posts about this yesterday and said, I think that sadness and that is, it's okay to feel those things. And I said, I agree. Well, sure. Absolutely. I I agree. It's normal life stuff. Yes. That
0: was the one thing I think. I I learned in my 20s was that nobody's happy all the time. And life is, as Marcus said, is kind of gamed against you um, to a certain extent. So ultimately, it really is up to you um, how you view it, how you view the challenges that you have, how you view um the relationships that you have. You know, if you look for to be
1: offended. You'll be offended. My God, you know, you said something earlier that was so poignant, and that is if you look for red cars, you'll see red cars. Yeah, it's it's your uh, your levels of observation um, are, are profound as a human being, because you will see in the world what you project out, what you want to see. And that was Victor Frankel's whole story. That's right. Right. That you'd have the guys that were the prisoners in, in Auschwitz. And he goes, You would know who would die that night because they would give up. And he, there were certain oh you uh, could indicators. See yeah uh, uh, of when they would decide to do, just literally leave the world. And uh he goes, but then you have the other people that didn't that held on and And gave meaning to their life. So I want to get into meaning for a second and happiness. People are always looking for what is the meaning of life? If there's a question that's been happening since the beginning of mankind and we still don't have an answer, most likely the answer is there is no meaning, direct meaning. Maybe the answer is you make the meaning. Right. And that's what I came to terms with somewhere in my 20s, probably 24 years old. I went, oh, it's up to me. And that's where you lose your innocence because when you have innocence, you believe the world is there to cater to you. You don't know any better. You just assume that things are going to be okay. And then you lose your innocence when things, when, when you come to the realization, my God, they're not okay. And nobody right. seems to care. Right. You know, And, and then it's up to you to provide your own meaning to your experience. Right. And so I had to put meaning to abuse pain, neglect, and being anxious and scared all the time. How do you make meaning out of that? Well, I decided that I was going to leave my hometown and rebuild my life and become a new person. I made the conscious decision to do that. And I I made it. It took me about five years.
0: Yeah. You know, it becomes it, challenges become opportunities if you look at them differently. Right. right? So like it, that's, that's the part I was, I was actually going to go into as well is you can be happy even in, you can choose to be happy even when your circumstances are not ideal or even when your circumstances are awful.
1: Yeah. Downright terrible. You know? Yeah. And,
0: and so, so let's just define happiness briefly. Um because happiness has a lot of meetings, and a lot of people will think of when they think happy, they think joyful, elated and and that's not what we're talking about. It can be
1: right. it's a whole
0: range, yeah, absolutely. And for me, sometimes, you know, feeling happier is just a, a contentment. And sometimes it's just like you know, one step above being miserable. Mm-hmm. um, and so so you can choose to be happier. You can choose to look at negative circumstances in a way that life is futile, that, see, this is an indicator that, that nothing ever works out for me. I mean, this used to be me, the nihilistic view of, you know, look at, see, once again, nothing ever works out for me and everybody sucks and the world is terrible and people are awful. Um or you can look at it you can choose to look at it like okay this is another challenge that i have to face and you know what, what what can i learn from it and maybe i need to change my circumstances maybe i need to make a conscious decision to move in a different direction or move move past this challenge just kind of um choose to see the light at the end of the tunnel so to speak
1: yeah so everything you're talking about is is stuff that we hear every day in bits and pieces that we're trying to condense into this half hour. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and people, I can remember, boy, you can get really trapped in that nihilistic place where you're searching for the grand meaning. I know that me as a philosopher, I consider myself a philosopher. Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to find the truth in, in the world. And Boy, when you're at that stage and the stage of losing your innocence can be much later in life. I know people who had very wonderful, almost insulated lives. Charmed. Very charmed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just circumstances played to their favor. And- I think sometimes it's called privilege, but I hate that word because it's been so politicized. But, but it's not just
0: that, because we've known a lot of people of privilege that were pretty unhappy. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So
1: that's not a good. Word. So that's so, no,
0: it's, it's more like they were just had good luck, man. Th- not just good luck, but they, but they weren't almost not deep thinkers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you that know can what I mean? Like, yes, like yes. things
0: were kind of a little bit have easy. To be. Right. They didn't have right. to be
1: because circumstances landed in their favor. And then, and then they hit about, 35, 40, sometimes 50. And they hit maybe the hard spot. Right, right. Life maybe bad came.
0: marriage, maybe, yeah. you know, whatever challenges get thrown there, maybe, maybe they get laid off, you know,
1: something happens and they get laid off or and a near and, and a series of crisis. Yeah, could happen. And so once, once that hits you, it's what do I do with this? You know, and I think that, For me, I created, like I said, and this is really the crux of what I want to talk about, is I created meaning. What was I gonna do with this challenge? What was I? And in my case, I said, I'm gonna every challenge that comes to my way, I'm gonna excel at it. I just made the decision. I was like, I if I learn something, I'm gonna be good at it. If I and and I gotta tell you, it wasn't easy, but I was happy in the process because I was like, that was important to me. I was such a loser as a kid, such a frightened person to try and take risk. I didn't play sports. I didn't do the things that I knew I could do. And I, I hated myself for avoiding life. I was so lost. And I said, no more, no more. Anything that scares me, I'm going to confront. The first thing I did and where I learned this was fist fighting as a kid, because I was this small kid that was picked on. And then I said, no, I'm going to learn to box and I'm going to kick some people's asses. And I went out and I did that. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and it was a lot of black eyes and a broken nose and a couple stays in the hospital. But you know what I learned and I became a little badass <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and then, and then I realized, oh, I can do that. If I can do that, if I can face that kind of violence, maybe there's other things in my life. And then I went to college and I got a straight four O, you know, GPA. And then I learned to play drums and I just, the, this isn't a me show. The point is I started with shit.
0: Yeah. I started
1: with every excuse to say, fuck it and be in prison or dead. Yeah. You
0: know, I want to, too, I want to go back a little bit because I know we have Gen Zers and uh, millennials that listen to this podcast. And um, I'm not bagging on your generations. Uh, What I'm saying is you were done, you were done a grave disservice by us, your parents, um, by the school systems, by, because you have, you haven't. Some of you haven't adequately learned how much control you have in your mind to change the trajectory of your life. Just like Mark says, um, you know, when we, when we waste time worrying about what other people think of us, worrying about who's offending who, or I'm, or, um, you know, maybe how I come across to other people or when we waste time doing that, we're not living. we're We're living kind of in a fearful cocoon, uh, which is which is not positive. It's not positive. and and I genuinely feel like our culture today encourages that kind of non-living.
1: Does that make sense what it, I'm saying? It, it totally does. I mean, I look at uh, we I, it's hard for me to even have a conversation with a millennial because they come from a place of such sadness and, and, and it's it's awful. It really is. And it's so unnecessary. I can't believe the shit they're being taught.
0: Well, and it starts with the whole addiction thing that you learn in school, which is that, that you are powerless and these substances, which quite, quite frankly, can be fun. And can be not so awful, but these substances have these powers to somehow enslave you and take over your life, and they're it's all it's you know it's it's the whole old uh, idea that there's evil spirits in them that can take you over, and it's all nonsense. It's not true. And, yeah. and then and then you couple that with being taught that depression. And anxiety and trauma and all of these things will affect
1: your life forever. And that is a such a massive lie. It is if I could talk I, about nihilistic thinking. I, yeah, I'm gonna look right into the camera and and tell if anybody's out there and they believe that that is a bullshit lie that you've been sold. Yep, not uh, true. Not true. You have a mind. If you're watching this, you obviously can watch me, and uh, it, it's it's just a lie. There's Depression isn't something that happens to you. It is not clinical. And this is going to piss people off. And there's not
0: off. chemical imbalances. There's right. a lot and of research I mean. that shows that that's not what's
1: happening. That's, there's some great articles about this, great research about this, um, that we've posted on, on the Freedom Model in the blog. Um, Depression is the way you see the world, the way you frame circumstances. We cover this in the both.
0: Book. He and I struggled with it.
1: Oh, look at! I've had a gun in my mouth. I know what it's like yeah. to be completely suicidal. I know what it's like to be depressed for years, yep. deeply, deeply depressed, and fight through that. Um, but when you realize that you can change your perspective and that. It's not a clinical thing in this respect. And when I say clinical, there's no test for it. If there was a chemical imbalance, it's very simple. They'd take a blood test. They'd do a, they'd do a PET scan. They'd say, here's where Here your depression is. They, they don't have that. Just Just so you know, they don't have that. That doesn't exist. Yeah. It's bullshit marketing that they've been we're gonna, selling. We're people.
0: gonna get emails about this. I know, but look it's at, the,
1: but it's the reality. It's the reality. It's and the we're reality.
0: not saying that therapy can't be helpful to people.
1: And we're also not saying that people aren't depressed beyond belief.
0: Right. Because we
1: I've been totally depressed for the 18 first 18, 19 years of my life. Yep. Deeply lost, deeply, deeply depressed and anxious. I was scared all the time i was um, the thoughts i would have the rotational thoughts i would have i thought i was nuts i drank and drugged heavily for 6 years i we've we've both been there yeah oh dude and i i so, had a diagnosis of bipolar
0: so at 20 years old And I, for, I struggled even after stopping my substance, heavy substance use, I struggled with a belief system that something was wrong with my brain for an additional 10 to 15 years. So, so it is, so I get it. I understand it. So if this is something that you struggle with, we're not being trite when we say happiness
1: is a choice. We're not. Here's how we know this. If you, I did a, in the 12th edition of our book, I did a, a study on happiness rates throughout the world. And there's actually, you can look this up. Yeah. I can't remember what countries anymore because it's been so long going back 10, 15 years. Um, but you can look up studies that show that many third world countries, have much higher indexes for happiness than we do here in America. Yep. If it was clinical or if it was driven by culture. And circumstances. And circumstances, horrible circumstances. Some of the countries that rank higher than the United States are in civil war. Yeah. They don't have water. They don't have food. They don't have medicine. They
0: have mel- like, like famine. But
1: yet they they rank higher when interviewed, when the populace is interviewed than we do in the happiness index. So the question becomes, why, why, if it were clinical that, and we're a melting pot of genetics. So this whole genetic depression thing is bullshit too, by the way, there's no evidence of that. So we're a melting pot of all these different cultures. And suddenly only in the West, do we become depressed at the rates that we are? Maybe it's what you're being taught. Yep. Okay. So maybe so, it's because you got a lot of time on your hands to just kind of ex- ruminate, like
0: ruminate on, uh, and in many cases, problems that, that aren't affecting you in that moment. I mean, a lot of times, yeah. I mean, depression is really investing in this negative thinking
1: and it's investing in future thoughts that haven't happened and past thoughts that you can't change. Yeah. And then not looking at the, your current circumstances adequately and accurately to say, am I in actual danger in this moment? Am I actually uh, poverty stricken? Are the fears justified? And when you do that, when you stop, I do this exercise with people all the time. Yeah. They'll, they'll rant, rant, go nuts and tell me all these things that are wrong. And I go, wait a minute, right now, right now, this is what we can change right now. Is it bad? And they say, well, yeah. And then they start talking about the future. And I go, no, 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 stop that. Right now, yeah. are, are are you dying? Uh, you know, I know that the divorce is terrible. I know that your addiction is terrible. I get that. I've been there. I, I get it. But right now, we have to start from reality. And the reality is, right now, as we sit here, let's start from a basis of reality and what we can change. We can only change right now. Yeah. What can I do right now? That's right. And then suddenly they start feeling better because they now have some control because you can control right now in your own mind and say, I can do this, this, and this. And suddenly they're not depressed because they're doing something and it proactive. might be small, maybe tiny, you know? So the difference
0: between being proactive for your life and reactive. Yeah.
1: It's a huge difference.
0: It's a huge difference. So, so yes, happiness is a choice. It is. It's a, it's a conscious decision. It does require, um, in some cases, uh, what I call faithful thinking, um, which has nothing to do with religion or God or spirituality. Faithful thinking is, is faith in yourself and knowing that, that you have the power and ability to change your circumstances, to, to affect real change in your life to be happier, you know? So so uh, this goes along with substance use problems and addiction because so many people have this belief system that their depression and anxiety and their emotional problems cause them to use substances heavily. We do address that in the Freedom Model for Addictions um, throughout the book, but specifically in chapters five and six, yep. and then 17 through 20. Um because 17 through 20 really show you that alcohol and drugs aren't helping you with these things. Not at all. They don't have the pharmacological power to do that. Um, And that's we're not saying that you might not derive some pleasure from them because you may.
1: Right, right. It's
0: very different. What we're saying is they don't have the
1: pharmacological power to help you with those things. They can't make your mind up for you. They can't change they can't, your mind. They can't change your mind. Um. So we've hit a lot of different things. And if, if you're new to the podcast, you might rebel at a lot of this, but I suggest that you go through, we have over 170 episodes. I I suggest that you go through them and you'll see that we're coming from a place of love and compassion. It's compassionate to show people that they're in charge of their lives. (gasps) So true. What a great point. It's compassionate to show people that only they can change themselves. It's compassionate to get away from this idea that experts—the tyranny of experts—has to be your lot in life. That you're at the you're at the mercy of of some professional that doesn't even know you. Um, now, I'm not saying I see a therapist once in a while when shit gets heavy. Um, I'm not saying I don't take medications. I go through things uh, the old fashioned way and that's, I, I change changed my mind. You figure, figure things out. Yep. And I've come from a f- pretty horrible fucking place as a kid where there was sexual abuse. There was physical abuse. There was deep neglect and a broken house, a broken family.
0: And we've watched people deal with the worst circumstances. Please keep in mind that we have been doing this for over 30 years mm-hmm. and helping people, um, that have had, uh, just suffered some of the worst trauma you can imagine. Um, and, and watched them, you know, when you see somebody figure it out mm. and figure out how much power they actually have, now it's pretty remarkable. Magical. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty freaking remarkable. So, yeah. so look it. um, we're not saying you shouldn't see a therapist, you should see a therapist, but you should be choosy. Um, you know, you want to, you want to choose somebody that is solution-based. Right. If that, you feel yeah. like you're
1: more of a victim.
0: Right. If Not you a good feel, therapist. If you
1: feel, if the therapist is riding this, this coattail that, hey, you know, you really are susceptible to addiction and, and all of a sudden you feel down and you feel more victimized, run away. Go to a different Go one. Go to somebody else because everything inside of you gives you the capability of problem solving. Yes, exactly. You were born with it. That's I right. I realized this young, thank God, and Me I've been too. living my life accordingly. Uh, you can too. And
0: I had to learn that from a therapist, just so you know. Yeah. Um I was fortunate enough to 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 have somebody that was a very positive solution based person. My wife too. Yeah. Who Same showed team. me yep. that, that I have the power. I it actually even showed me that this whole bipolar diagnosis was, um, was uh, not a curse at all, but you know, not, I I'm not somebody that was, well, I was pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> I did kind of have very wide ranges, but she showed me how to maximize the strengths that I have and minimize some of the challenges that I had. Right.
1: And that it's okay to be a sensitive person. I was this enormously sensitive kid in a brutal, brutal environment. Well, of course I was going to frame the world in a bad, in a bad way. And, and there were things that I was doing to protect myself that, that didn't make sense anymore as I became an adult. So I, I, so all of this is, we're hitting you with something that might be new, and especially in this culture we live in. But I might also point out it's not working very well. No, it is modern psychology is not helpful to people. The rates of suicide skyrocket. The uh, they just did a study. Uh, they did a poll where they said twenty four percent of of millennials in college feel that they would be better not to be on this earth is it millennials or gen zers
0: because gen Uh, zers
1: whatever is the most recent yeah yeah gen Gen zers Zers are yeah
0: they're very unhappy like one in four feel like they'd be better off dead
1: yeah so so the question is if this modern psychology, the psychology that you are the minion of your biochemical reality and circumstances, boy, you want to take all the arsenal of your tools that you were given as a human being, throw them out the window and be at the mercy of circumstance. Good luck.
0: Yeah. That's that's a, that's
1: a bad way of going through the world um, because you're going to lose. Yeah. So but we're, you we're giving powerful. you the winning ticket.
0: That's right. You're powerful. You're incredibly powerful. So if you need to see a therapist, find somebody who knows that and is willing to
1: tell you. That's right. See somebody who really, really knows what they're talking about and builds up the situation and and gives you a way, a path where you fix the problem. Yes. Yeah, strategies that work. All right, everybody. Just like the freedom model,
0: yeah. strategies that work. <laughs> That's right.
1: So for addiction, <laughs> this is your answer.
0: That's right. That's right. All right, everybody. everybody. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem but you don't want to go to rehab or group meetings? Well, that's why we created the non 12 step freedom model coaching program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified freedom model coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. With the freedom model, you'll never be labeled an addict or an alcoholic, and we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery rituals. Instead, you can learn exactly why addiction isn't a disease and how you can solve the problem for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Then call us at 888-424-2626 to talk with a Freedom Model coach today and experience the Freedom Model difference.